Hi everyone, this is Brant Van Rokel, lead pastor of Christ City Kitsilano, and I want to let you know about a couple of things. First, if you're not a part of a local church, let me invite you to join us at Fifth Avenue Cinema on Burrard Street at 9.30 a.m. We meet every Sunday morning for worship, word, and sacrament, and we'd love for you to join us there. Second, if you are new and you want to get connected, let me say welcome. Christ City Church Kitsilano is a neighborhood church committed to making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood. If you want to hear more about what God has called us to here in Kitsilano, then please reach out to me at brant at christcitychurch.ca or you can visit christcitychurch.ca slash Kitsilano. The scripture reading today is taken from several verses in the book of Proverbs. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we first come to you today. Um, appealing to you uh, for these wildfires. Lord, we pray that you would protect those who are caught up in it, that you would uh, give wisdom to those who are organizing um, all of the things required to, to protect people and property. And um, Lord, we just pray that your hand, your sovereign hand, would be over that situation. And so, Father, as we um, we're intimidated by the scale of the disaster that we see, and we couldn't be fearful uh, of the destruction that it might cause. Lord, we appeal to you knowing that you are good and you are powerful. And so, Father, would you um, work in that situation, and would you mobilize your church, your people, uh, to be your hands and feet in that situation? And so whatever you would have us do, Lord, would we be obedient to it? Uh, would we contribute our gifts and our time and our resources to it um, in order to display your love um, in this country? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is John. For those of you that don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. And today we are in our Proverbs series. We continue in our Proverbs series. Uh, we've been looking at various topics contained within this book of wisdom. Um, and I hope what you've been finding is that it is immensely practical. It's been immensely practical. I've had a number of conversations with people that have said, oh my goodness, I can't believe how practical this is, which is a bit of a sad indictment on all of our previous sermons. Um, but uh, it has, I'm sure, been practical for your life. And today, we're going to look at another practical topic. We're going to look at what Proverbs has to say about decision-making, about decision-making, making decisions. If ever there was a sermon topic that sounded like a TED Talk, this is it. Uh, in fact, if you do a quick search um, on decision-making, you'll find a handful of TED Talks and articles proposing to help you in your decision-making process. Titles like How to Make Hard Decisions, How to Make Faster Decisions, Three Ways to Make Better Decisions, How Successful People Make Smart Decisions. Like, click. 
Um, each of them is offering not necessarily the answer, but a helpful methodology or helpful methodologies to process your decision making, whether for yourself individually, whether for your family, or whether for the organizations and the leadership that you have been entrusted with. And let me just say that lots of them are very helpful, very insightful, very practical. And um, there's lots of wisdom out there when it comes to making good decisions. And it's a popular topic. I don't know if you're one of those people that listens to lots of podcasts or reads lots of uh, contemporary articles, uh, but it's a very popular topic. And it's popular for a number of reasons. I think it's popular on the one hand because decision-making is a topic that is extremely empowering, isn't it? It's extremely empowering. It reminds us of the agency that we have to make meaningful actions and to lead uh, that lead to positive outcomes, right? To take meaningful actions that lead to positive outcomes, to, to create opportunities, to orchestrate change in the environment that we're in, to, to create our worlds, to recreate the worlds that we inhabit. It's extremely empowering. But on the other hand, it's popular because decision-making is increasingly a source of anxiety for our society. If you read the articles, it's often uh, a topic that relates to the anxiety that we feel when we make decisions. It reminds us of our ability to mess up or to miss out if we make the wrong decisions. We can get bogged down with making the right decisions, not least in this generation and this time when there's so much choice available to us. Barry Schwartz, who's an author of the book, The Paradox of Choice, he says this, learning to choose is hard, learning to choose well is harder, and learning to choose well in a world of unlimited possibilities is harder still, perhaps too hard. It's a great source of anxiety for a lot of people. I was reflecting on some of the big decisions over the past five years uh, that me and Sarah have had to make. I made a decision to step away from a career that I'd invested a lot of time into. Made the decision to move from where I grew up to Canada, of all places. <laughs> made the decision to step into vocational ministry to work for the church. Made the decision to start having children and apparently to never stop having children. <laughs> We've all got big decisions that... Um, we face, faced a lot of big decisions, and Sarah and I are currently facing a few others as we speak, and so this topic is, is as helpful for me as it is, hopefully, uh, for you. So here's what I want to do. I, I want to look specifically at what Proverbs has to say about decision-making, and what I want to suggest is that Proverbs, conveniently for me as the pastor, contains three broad principles that I think give us an immense amount of confidence as we approach big decisions. Three principles that give us an immense amount of confidence as we approach big decisions. And so what I want you to do is I want you to think about the decision that you are facing right now. I'm sure all of you have something that comes to mind. And I want you to consider these three broad principles as you process it, okay? Three principles that Proverbs gives us for good decision-making. Here they are. Number one, walk the righteous path. Walk the righteous path. Two, seek righteous counsel. And three, rest in the sovereignty of God. Walk the righteous path. 
Seek righteous counsel. Rest in the sovereignty of God. Okay, walk the righteous path. This uh, first collection of Proverbs, I think, speaks to decision-making, refers to what we might call the two paths of life. The two paths of life. One of the things that you notice, and I'm sure you've noticed as you've been reading along in Proverbs, is that it often uses binary categories. Binary categories, not only in its content, but also in its poetic structure. It uses what we call parallelism, comparing one way with another. In the opening chapters of Proverbs, the choice that is presented to the reader is the choice between the righteous path and the way of the wicked. The righteous path and the way of the wicked. Proverbs 4 says this, I have taught you the way of wisdom, and I have led you in the paths of uprightness. And later on it says, do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Two paths, righteous unrighteous. And there is an appeal that is being made in the opening chapters of the book of Proverbs to stay on the righteous path, to walk the righteous path. Why? Well, because the righteous path, it says, leads to light and life, and the way of the wicked leads to darkness and death. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to making decisions, this kind of language this proposed binary choice between life and death and righteousness and wickedness, it feels a little simple. It feels a little simplistic. It doesn't feel like it deals with the nuance of my life, the complexity of the decisions that I am faced with in my day. And we might ask, is this kind of black and white thinking helpful or or indeed appropriate for the complex world that we are called to navigate. Rarely, it seems, is a decision that I face simply a clear-cut case of right versus wrong, right? Of good versus evil, of the righteous path and, and the way of the wicked. Now, sometimes it is, you know, sometimes it is, but it's often not as clean as that, is it? So so why is this helpful for the decision that you're facing today? Why is this helpful? Well, because Proverbs begins the decision-making process by recognizing that there is a decision that we need to make before every decision we need to make. That there is a decision that you need to make before every other decision that you need to make. Let me explain what I mean by that. Proverbs 4 says this, Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. What's it saying here? It's saying, before you decide where to place your next step, ponder the path of your feet. As you make decisions, let your eyes look not first to your feet at the decision itself, but look directly forward with your eyes fixed on the destination. Your eyes fixed on the path that you are walking. The image here is of of going on a journey, but on a journey before you can answer the question, where should I place my foot at each step? We need to ask ourselves the prior question, where is it that I am going? What path am I on? Where does this lead to? 
And Christy, I want to suggest that this is the same for life's decisions, that before we live, before we get into the details of life's decisions, we need to first ask the question, what do we live for? Or indeed, who do we live for? There is a decision that we make before every other decision that we make. You see, if you live for comfort, if you live for your own personal comfort, every decision that you make will be guided in some way by your own personal comfort. And so you will do things or you won't do things based on that prior decision of where your life is leading. If, if you live for pleasure, every decision you make will be aimed at, directed towards your own pleasure. If you live for approval, every decision will be directed by affirmation. Behind every step, Christ City is a destination. Behind every action, there is an idol. Behind every decision, there is a God. You've got to believe it. The only question is, which one is it? Which one is it? You see, when Proverbs calls us to walk the righteous path, it is first and foremost a call to live our lives for the one true God, to live according to his ways, to live as he calls us to live. So for the decision that you're facing right now, that thing that you are thinking about, that decision that you are thinking about, my first question would be, have you already made the prior decision that you will trust God? that you will live for God, that you will follow Jesus. Now, I don't mean a, a one-off moment in the, in the distant past that you haven't really thought about since, but that ongoing decision to, to follow him, to continue to, to walk that path, to walk the path of righteousness, to, to live out the will of God for your life. Because if you have, then, then the first question to answer when processing a decision is this. What would God have me do here? What would God have me do here? How, how would God have me respond in this situation? What, what decision would, would most honor him here? What, what decision would most serve him here? What is the righteous path that he calls me to in this moment? That's why for the Christian, our primary guide in life, Christ, is his word, right? Why? Because this is what he has spoken to us to direct us. Because we are a people, aren't we? The church, we are a people who live with our Bibles open and our hearts open to what it says as we prayerfully read through it and see how it might guide us in life. If God is our God, then his word is our guide. Is that true of us? Is that true of us? Is, is, is this open in our homes? Is this what leads you and guides you and directs you? Do, do you, as the psalmist says, meditate on it day and night? Do you delight in it? If, if God is our God, then his word is our guide. Now, I think at this point, we can often fall into two different types of errors when I say this, because I'm hoping 
for most of us here, you're just agreeing, you're nodding your head. I get it. God is my God and his word is my guide. But while we might agree that the Bible is our guide, the first error we can make is we can think that we need God. We need God to speak specifically into every particular decision that we need to make, into every particular situation that we need to make. We, we go looking for a Bible verse that, that tells you whether or not you should marry the girl or buy the house or move to the burbs. But that's, that's not how it works, is it? Right? It, it, the Bible is surprisingly silent on whether or not you should move to Abbotsford. It talks a lot about moving to Egypt, but the second error we can make is thinking that God has nothing to say about whether you marry the girl, buy the house, or move to the burbs. Because it does. You see, the Bible has lots to say about our relationships and our money and our work and our family and Lots of general principles that we are called to apply to our specific situation. We're called to be obedient to as we live out the righteous path. In fact, as we've been going through Proverbs, the reason it's so practical for us is because it does speak, doesn't it, to every area of our life. From family to money to our work. How we navigate relationships. It doesn't always give us specifics, does it? Sometimes we wish that it would, but it doesn't always give us specifics. Why? Well, because the Bible is more like a light for the path than a map for the path. The Bible is more like a light for the path than a map for the path. In fact, that's how Psalm 119 describes the word, doesn't it? It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I think, personally, this really helpful language for how we understand how the Bible works in our lives. I think it's helpful language, I think, because when we treat the Bible like a map rather than a light, a number of missteps happen. A few things happen. The first thing that happens is with a map, you tend to only consult a map when you need it, when you feel lost, right? And for the men in the room, maybe you never do, right? The Bible only comes out when you feel lost or when you're desperate for an answer. But with a light, you have it open at all times so that you can see your way. It's the reason we don't simply open our Bibles when we feel the need for an answer. We live with our Bibles open so that we never walk in darkness. Second, a map is useful for one particular journey, but a light is useful for every journey, for every journey. The Bible doesn't have every answer to every decision that you face, but it can and does shine a light on every decision that you face. It guides the way, revealing truth and helping you discern the, the avenues and opportunities, helps you see the, the pitfalls and the, the errors. Third, a, a map becomes useless when the terrain changes, right? Becomes useless when the terrain changes, but a light is useful in every terrain. One of the reasons, I think, why lots of people think that this book is irrelevant 
to their life, irrelevant to the decisions that they make. And maybe you subconsciously think that this book is irrelevant to the decision that you're facing right now. Maybe it's because you see it as an old map. And the world has changed. The world is different now. Those are simpler times. But the Bible is not an old map. It's an everlasting light. It's an everlasting light. It continues to be God's primary way of guiding us on the righteous path in every generation, in every culture, and as the terrain changes before us. So, Christ City, the first principle for confident decision-making is walk the righteous path. Follow Jesus. Obey his commands. Have his word open and your hearts open to his word and how it leads you. And while it does... It doesn't give you every answer, but it will light your path. It will guide you along the way. Proverbs 4 says this, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Walk the righteous path. Second, seek righteous counsel. Now, as much as Proverbs calls us to wisdom in our decision-making, this second collection of Proverbs, in contrast to what we might call our hyper-individualistic culture, suggests a somewhat skeptical view of your ability to make decisions by yourself. It's skeptical about you making decisions by yourself, even with the Spirit of God within you. And the word of God before you, there is still the potential, and I'm sure we all know this, there is still the potential to make terrible decisions. Still the potential. You see, in Proverbs, there are two types of fool when it comes to decision making. The first is the person who surrounds themselves with fools, right? Proverbs 13 says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So a fool is someone who surrounds themselves with other fools, and that makes complete sense. But the other type of fool in Proverbs is the person who surrounds themselves with no one. With no one. Proverbs 12 says this, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Christ City, there is a reason Proverbs says we make bad decisions. You either listen to fools or you listen to no one. Now now think for a second about the decision that you are faced with today, that life decision. Here's the question. Who is speaking into it? Who is speaking into it? Who have you invited into the conversation? Who will you run it by before you make the decision? Now, now if the answer is either Google or no one, Proverbs says you're a fool. How do we make wise decisions? We seek righteous counsel. Now, for me, the the question that naturally follows is, is who, right? Who who am I going to ask? Where are these righteous people from whom I can get advice? Here's a short answer. It's you. I know. I was as surprised as you were. (laughs) It's you. 
It's you. You might think that I'm being presumptive as, as you consider your own life or if you just look at the person next to you. But, but Christ City, this is the function of the church community. This is what a big part of what the church is for. Think about it. If, if you're looking for counsel in your life, what, what are you looking for? Well, first, you're looking for people who are walking the same path as you are walking, right? Uh, two weeks ago, my family went away on vacation to a cabin with five other families, 12 adults, 14 children, aged five and under, 26 people in total heading out to rural BC for a relaxing vacation. In fact, there's so many people there, you were probably there. So many people. It's crazy. And by the way, I, I also recognize the irony in me preaching a sermon on decision-making, and you're thinking to yourself, that sounds like a terrible decision. Um, let me just say, for those who organized it, it was a fantastic decision. We had a lovely time. Everyone was happy. Um, but on the way to this cabin... We're all in our family cars and we're heading up and we met at Hope, um, which was apparently the last bit of civilization, which if you can call Hope civilization. Um, and uh, we all met at Hope because at Hope, after Hope, it was going to be rough terrain. And, um, and so we're all from the city. So we gathered together and we thought we need to drive up in convoy so that we don't get lost or stuck in the back roads or something like that in our city cars. Um, and as I thought about the trip and the people that came with us, I can honestly say that in a very real way, in a very real way, we didn't just have the cabin as our mutual destination. We didn't just have the cabin as our mutual destination. You see, in that group of families, we're not all just going on vacation together. We are all living for the same thing. We are all living for the same person. You see, all of the women there are endeavoring to be godly wives and mothers. All of the men there are trying really hard to be godly husbands and fathers. All of the adults there are trying to raise their children in the same way. Trying to be godly parents. Christ City, this is what the church is. It's a community of people on the same path, encouraging and challenging and watching out for and counseling each other along the way. Now, this isn't to say that there isn't wisdom outside of the church. There's lots of wisdom outside of the church according to God's common grace. There's so much wisdom outside of the church. But when I need parenting advice... When I need parenting advice, I ask people who I know have the same values and desires for their children as I do. When I need to make decisions about my finance, I'm asking someone who knows a lot about money. Yes, very important. But I'm also asking someone who knows what God says about money. When I need to make a decision in my marriage, I'm asking someone who knows what Christian marriage is, who knows what covenant is, who knows what faithfulness is, who knows what God's love looks like. Christ City, when you're on the righteous path, you're looking for counsel from people on the righteous path. You're looking for people who are 
walking the same path as you are. But you're also looking for people who are further along that path, right, than you are. And gratefully, as you look at this congregation, there's lots of people who are further along the path than you are. Proverbs 13 says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. The idea is simple. Walk with people who already possess what you wish to gain. Walk with people who already possess what you wish to gain. And so if your desire is godliness, walk with godly people, mature Christians in the faith. There's lots. Maybe even more than that. Look for godly people, yes, but also look for godly people who have similar callings on their life than you do. So if if you're starting a business, look for another Christian who has started a business and, and started a business faithfully. If you're looking to start a family, look to other parents, other other Christian parents who have raised their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Find people who are further along the road that you want to walk and glean from them. Glean from them. Lastly, Proverbs encourages us to find as many of these people as possible. As many of these people as possible. Proverbs 11 says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 15, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Chapter 11 there is speaking about leading a nation. Chapter 15 is talking about leading your life, but the point is the same. Multiple perspectives make for wise decisions. Multiple perspectives make for wise decisions. Now, one of the reasons why this is helpful, one of the reasons it's helpful to have more than one uh, counsel is because sometimes when you have one other person and they say something and you disagree with them, you know what? You might be right, they might be right. You know, you might be wiser, they might be wiser. Who knows? But when you ask five wise friends in the church for advice and all of them are saying the opposite to you, let me just tell you from the pulpit, you're probably wrong. You're you're probably wrong. As, As humbling as that is. You know, I don't often brag on this, but if you'll indulge me, one of the great gifts for me working for this church is the elder team. The elder team. In God's wisdom, the church is a group of elders, and so it's never just one person making a decision. Thank God. There's a team of people with different skills, different abilities, insights, and perspectives. And the result of that, Proverbs says, is safety and success. Safety and success. In an abundance of counselors, there is safety. With many advisors, they succeed. And so, Having a collection, having many righteous counselors in your life should give you confidence as you make decisions. In fact, it will give you confidence as you make some of the toughest decisions in your life. Not the simple ones where it's like obvious what you should do in this situation. I mean those complex ones where the righteous path is hard to discern. Where it's the difference between good and better. 
Proverbs 24 says this, For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. You can make tough decisions with confidence when you're surrounded by wise counsel. But not only that, not only will it increase your confidence, it will also increase your competence. Look at Proverbs 19 again. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. That you may gain wisdom in the future. As you listen to good advice, you grow in wisdom. As you grow in wisdom, you grow in your competence to give good advice. The idea is is simple, but it's beautiful. And when it happens in a community, it is glorious. You open yourself up to counsel from others, and it starts to shape you as a man or a woman, as a counselor for others. So Christ, let me plead with you, don't make this decision by yourself. Don't make this decision by yourself. Proverbs calls it foolish. Seek righteous counsel. You know, you need us, but also we need you. You need us, but also we need you. We need your wisdom. You, you contribute something to this community. Sam told me to say this, but I wholeheartedly agree with him. A very practical step that you can take if you don't currently have righteous counsel in your life is to join a community group. It's simple, I know, but it is wise. If you are not invested in this community, if you don't don't have people in this community who are speaking into your life, someone who's on the same path as you, further along than you, and a few of those people then join a community group. That's that's where that happens. All right, plug over. First, walk the righteous path. Second, seek righteous counsel. Last, rest in the sovereignty of God. Rest in the sovereignty of God. Proverbs 16 says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The heart of man is well. The Lord is steps. Proverbs 19, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is, his, it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. This last collection of Proverbs that relate to decision-making speak about the relationship between our decisions and God's decisions. Between our decisions and God's decisions. How our plans interact with God's purposes. And while Proverbs and the rest of the Bible affirms human agency... It affirms human agency, meaning that we have the power over our decisions and actions, and therefore we are held responsible and accountable for our decisions. While the Bible affirms human agency, the Bible also affirms that it is God who is sovereign over everything. It is God who is sovereign over everything. What do I mean by that? Well, it means that there is, there is no power that can stop his plans and purposes. It means that there is, there is nothing outside of his authority and his control. No impersonal force like, like fate or destiny or karma or, or even nature under which he is subject. No, no competing gods. 
who challenge his authority or, or compete with him in power, and no human decision that can undermine his plans. Proverbs shows us that while we are accountable for our decisions, God is still sovereign over our decisions. So while we make decisions, God is sovereign over every decision that you make. Now you may be asking, why is this important? Or or indeed, why is this helpful as we make decisions? Well, because we might be tempted to think as we consider making decisions in our life that we are ultimately in control. As I said at the start, decision-making is a popular topic in our culture. Why? Because agency is empowering. Agency is empowering. Making decisions, making good decisions, making wise decisions gives us a sense of control of the world that we live in. And we can think that if we do the right things and we follow the right process and we consult the right people and we use the right methodology, then things will work out how we planned. This topic is appealing to those of us who like control. But what we realize as we try to control life is that we are not ultimately in control of our life. What often happens, as I'm sure you'll know, is either you, you make the right decision, you, you do all the right things, But something comes along outside of your control and you realize good decisions aren't good enough. Or or you you try to make the right decisions, but you you make a mistake and you misstep and you mess up. And despite all of your best efforts, you realize that you're not good enough. This is why when it comes to decisions, the sovereignty of God is of vital importance, of paramount importance. You see, with the first two points today, what I was trying to give you is confidence in your decision-making to to endeavor to do the right thing, to know that as you seek counsel from others, that you can do the right thing, that you can glean wisdom from around you and you can do the right thing. But this third point today is a reminder to not put your confidence in your decisions, but to trust ultimately in his. Christ said, this is good news for us today. It's good news. Because for the Christian, we know that while our plans might fail, we know that there is no power in heaven or on earth that can hinder his plans and purposes for our lives. There's nothing. Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? The answer is no one. As Christians, we know that even even our missteps and our mistakes and our failings, even in those, God is powerful enough, Paul says, to work all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Christ City, this should give us supreme confidence to live our lives on the righteous path, to live our lives for him, to follow Jesus, not because we will make the right decisions, but because he holds us even when we don't. Not because all of our plans will succeed, but all of his definitely will. 
Not because we always make the right choices, but because, as Ephesians says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And Philippians says, he who began our good work in you will bring it to completion. So for that decision that you need to make, or that decision that you need to make this week, Christ City, first, would you walk the righteous path? Would you follow Jesus? Would you listen and obey his word? Would you allow the word of God to be a, a lamp for your feet and a light to your path? Would you, would you seek righteous counsel? Don't, don't do it alone. Would you find other people who follow Jesus? Listen to them and glean from them. Glean from their experience and their wisdom and grow in your own experience and wisdom. But finally, would you rest in the sovereignty of God? The call of Proverbs is to make good decisions. Yes, it is. But ultimately, the call of Proverbs is to find our confidence not in our decisions, but in his. Amen?